Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast presented by Firecracker Sports. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. We have two guests for today's pod, which has a heavy Fairfield University theme. Coming off a season in which the Stags finished the regular season with a record of 33-1 and and earned the program's first ever NCAA regional at-large bid, we'll chat with head coach Bill Courier and ace pitcher Mike Sansone. Courier has led Fairfield through its best decade in program history. In his 10 years, he's led the Stags to three MAC regular season titles, one conference tournament title, two NCAA regional appearances, and five 30-win seasons. Sansone is coming off a great summer on the Cape with the Bourne Braves. He earned Cape League All-Star honors and finished the regular season with a 4-0 record and 2.07 ERA. At Fairfield last spring, he finished with a record of 9-2 and a 2.58 ERA, earning All-MAC first-team honors. Before we welcome Coach Courier and Mike Sansone to the pod, here's a look at some of the ways you can engage with us at New England Baseball Journal. Many of New England's D1 college teams are wrapping up the fall season, and we will take a look at some of the standouts from each of New England's programs on our website at BaseballJournal.com. We also recently ranked the top 20 players who will be in the mix for the 2022 MLB Draft. Visit BaseballJournal.com to find any of those stories and sign up for our free email newsletter, which goes out twice a week and highlights the latest content on BaseballJournal.com. We're also in the final stages of production on the fall edition of New England Baseball Journal. The print publication will include prep previews as well as college features at the D1, D2, and D3 levels. Keep an eye out for that publication, which will go to press at the end of October. Thanks again for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Here's our Zoom conversation with Coach Courier and Mike Sansone. Coach Courier, Mike, thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys. Coming off a great year, obviously, in the spring uh, Coach, I will start with you. Congratulations on your new contract extension, by the way. I just saw that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it'll keep you in Fairfield through 2026. How much you always hear that it's it's easier to recruit when you can tell guys, hey, I'm going to be here you know, for your whole college experience. How much does that help when you're recruiting guys? It, it certainly helps. You know, If I'm a parent of a, a prospect, I like to know the coach that's recruiting me is going to be there in my time that I'm going to be at the school. So that always is a good thing. Absolutely. And it was very well deserved after the year that you guys had last year. Um, One regular season loss, obviously, and then an NCAA at-large bid. At what point, when you have a team like that, uh, at what point did you start to get a sense that it could be a special season? Was it, you know, during the COVID year or 2019? Or was it just, you know, once you guys got the guys back last spring? Well, when your first pitch is a, the most meaningful pitch because it's conference, uh, you're not sure how you're going to start out without playing a month down south with other teams. So, you know, we, we knew we had a good team. Uh, we knew we had a good team coming back. But after the uh, fall where we had two major pauses, uh, we didn't get a lot of time with the team. And the players did a great job of keeping themselves uh, wired in and working out and, and doing their uh, stuff on their own and then we came back and, and we had to jump into it you know four weeks later with conference games so uh, never knew when we were going to play and not play because we were testing uh, every week and uh, you know so it was some undecided 
decisive things, but when we finally got going, we knew we were uh, a good team to be dealt with. and We knew we had pitching. We knew we had a good athletic defensive team. We knew we could swing the bat, and we did all three of those for most of the season, which was pretty consistent to do for a college team. Yeah, absolutely, and you guys cracked the top 25 at one point and got some national exposure uh and you you also hear that that makes it easier on recruiting when you get your name out there a little bit more and you have guys uh from different areas of the country able to see you play have you found that to be the case in your recruiting for the classes of 22 and 23 yeah every time we were out my assistants brian fay and jordan tobackman we were out this summer everybody knew who we were where we were from and the year we had you know you really had to have your head pretty buried in the sand to not see how you know, the type of year we put together and, you know, beating Arizona State, uh, eliminate them, going to the finals of the regional. You know, not every Northeast team gets that opportunity. So to do that well, it really legitimized our season uh, very well of, of just playing in our league and then getting out of our league and doing as well as we did. I think it legitimized our success. We had going 33-1 and one in the conference. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I can't imagine, we, uh, like I said earlier, we spoke this summer when you were on the Cape, uh, having a great summer with Bourne. I can't imagine any pitcher in New England has had a better 2021 than you uh, between what you did in the spring at Fairfield and then over the summer. Uh, what did you do during the pandemic to stay sharp that allowed you to have that success this year? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, during quarantine, I had the ability to, maintain access through my gym at home. Uh, one of my friends there who I have worked out with since I was a kid was still there working there. And so I was able to still get in there Had a baseball facility part. So I was still throughout quarantine, lifting, throwing, uh, getting any kind of work done I needed to in order to maintain uh, my, my, uh, you know, yeah, fitness and just kind of tweak my baseball abilities in that kind of way. So I was very fortunate over quarantine to have that. So did you ever have an opportunity to pitch live to batters or anything like that? Or was it more just uh, what you would do for conditioning, like during the fall and winter? Occasionally I had batters in there, but for the most part, it was just keeping my arm in shape, developing a little bit, building more strength, adding a little weight, and just more of the physical aspects than really facing batters often. And when did you finally return to the mound? Did you play summer collegiate ball or was it in the fall? I did play summer collegiate. I went up to Newport. They set up a four-team league during quarantine. So I played around the end of July through August. I had about four outings. So that was really good too. Did you ever find, uh, you know, usually you see this progression in terms of your innings and number of pitches from season to season at the college or even pro level. Did you ever find during this year that because you pitched to so few batters or outings last year that you, your arm got tired when you weren't expecting it to? Not really. I don't think I got tired at all. It was more of just not having had that season prior, um, just adjusting to that. I think at the end of the, my Cape season, my ability kind of just started to dwindle a little bit. I didn't have really the finish I wanted to. Uh, you could say it was because I didn't have that last season or really any of those things, but I think I, I was still holding up pretty strong and was still conditioned for that season. Yeah, absolutely. You were a Cape League All-Star, uh, and I remember when we spoke right after you got named an All-Star, you said, 
you know, I was saying, you know, is this unexpected for you to come and succeed on the Cape to the level that you did? And you said, no, you know, I'm, I'm someone who always expects to perform well. Is that some, is that confidence something you've always had or is it something you've developed through experience? I think it's definitely something I've always had. And it's something I've prided myself on is just being able to go out there and have the confidence and have the mindset that I'm going to go out there and be the best player on the baseball field. Uh, I think it's something that's really helped me through my years of high school, getting into college, and now going through my college years. I think that's that mindset's been one of the most important things for me. Yeah, and I remember last summer when we spoke, I asked if you were surprised that you didn't get drafted um, in the 2022 or 2021 draft. And you said you weren't really surprised because there are some things that you have to do still in college to uh, see yourself as a draft prospect. How can you better position yourself going into the 2022 draft? Uh, Right now, my main focus has been strength and mobility. Something I've always, I've been lacking recently has been that mobility factor. I think my goal right now is to increase that and see where that takes me and just continue on my development with my pitches, with my strength, and with my mobility, and just put myself in the best possible position going into this year. And where are you working on that? Or do you have a, a training facility or just on campus that you're that you're working on strength and mobility? On campus, I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. I go early to practice to do some extra work, and then we lift three times a week. So in there, I'm working on mobility and strength as well. Coach, what's it like for you to see someone like Mike? I mean, that must be a dream come true when you see a guy who has so much success but is still willing to put in the extra time before practice or extra hours. What is it like to coach him? You know, you got to remember, Mike Sansone's been an all-star at every summer league he's played in since he came here as a freshman. So everywhere he's gone, he's made the all-star team in that league. So, And certainly this year to have it at the Cape is, is the best league in the country. So his work ethic... And, you know, he's a big game pitcher for us, as well as Jake Noviello. And the two of them, uh, uh, pretty good one-two to go on the weekend. And we just lost, as you know, Trey McLaughlin to the draft. He was a third starter for us. And Bryson Cafaro took his place when he was down. But, you know, to have uh, those type of guys going out and putting in consistent work outside of the, of the practices and in practice certainly is a dream come true for a, a coach looking for weekend starters. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you have those guys returning, which uh, with the exception of Trey McLaughlin, Uh, before you coach, before you got to Fairfield, I was reading your bio. The Stags had won no more, no more than 26 games in 61 prior varsity seasons in your 10 years at the school. uh, Fairfield has won 27 games seven times. Um, So when you take over a program that's kind of doesn't have a, a prolific history, I guess. What are the first couple of things that you really wanted to do to instill a winning culture? Yeah, the first thing we had to do is change the culture. The culture was uh, get out to practice whenever you could, and I'm in the training room, and that's not an excuse. Uh, you know, it's summer league. We had three guys playing summer league when I got here, and now we have everybody that's eligible that's not graduated in a summer league. So uh, we just wanted to bring in a more serious athlete and a better athlete, too, but you know, it's always been a great school. I've always felt Fairfield could be a great place for baseball and school, and that's what we've done. We've increased our, our facilities are phenomenal here. gives the athletes a, a full chance to make themselves better uh, all year round, uh, as well as, uh, you know, get the great education and degree and be 
be in the front of the job line when they get out. So uh, we knew that could happen, and, and we brought in the right kids, and, and uh, we're showing that certainly in the last uh, seven or eight years here. Yeah, absolutely, and especially last year was a kind of it all coming to fruition. Um, what types of – so you said you had to bring in a more serious athlete, and you wanted guys who wanted to play summer baseball and guys who were committed to being out on the field every day and putting in the extra work like you said Mike does – uh, so what types of athletes are like, who are you targeting now? What's your recruiting philosophy? We're looking for kids that have been in successful organizations, whether it be an AU team or, or even a high school. Uh, we're looking for kids that have played at a high level. So they've challenged themselves against the pitcher, challenged themselves against good hitters and hitters against good pitchers. And we're looking for people that have won state championships. We're looking for people that have, uh, you know, just competed at the highest level they can. So when they get here, and we're pushing them, and we're trying to get them even better, they accept that responsibility and they buy into it. And we feel like we have a good core of our team that, that is like this, and we just increase that core every year. We try to, and, and that's the type of kid we're looking for. And, and are certainly our, our, our top players are, are, are not only talented, but they bought into that, uh, you know, one or two or three years ago. Yeah. And Mike, you were so you won a state championship as a sophomore in high school, I think, um, and then you had a terrific junior season. I was looking at those numbers; it was like an ERA under one as a starting pitcher. Um, what was your experience? Because you're a little bit undersized as a uh, pitcher, left-handed pitcher at the D1 level. What was your recruiting experience like out of high school? I really had my whole recruiting process in that junior season. Coach Courier and Coach Blood at Hartford had both seen me in the state championship game when I threw due to Dylan Reynolds and Zach Ardito being there. And after that, my ju- I didn't really hear anything. And then my junior season, as I started throwing, I started hearing from more people. And it kind of just snowballed from no teams to halfway through the season, a couple. And then at the end, I was talking to maybe 10 people. And then just kind of figuring out, going on visits after the season, figuring out where I kind of wanted to go. And Fairfield ended up being the option academically and athletically that I wanted to go at. And what was it, what were you like at the high school level? Like, what was your velocity like? What have, how have you developed uh, or what pitches have you developed at the college level? Uh, I was pretty similar pitch wise, but I was probably 78 to 84, 85 in high school with change up curveball. Um, since then, I've been developing a couple miles per hour every year, uh, looking to be an upper 80s pitcher this year. That's what I'm working towards with a changeup and slider now. Um, so I've changed grips a little bit throughout the years here and there, but for the most part, I've had the same game plan since I was in high school. How did I, I, I we actually had Coach Blood on this uh, podcast, and obviously it's different now. He's not, he's at Keene State. How was his uh, recruiting different um, from Coach Courier's? Honestly, they're very similar. I would say Coach Blood and the Coach Blood and their staff and Coach Courier and his staff were two of my favorite coaching staffs. Um, those were my last two options as well, so that was a tough pick for me. But overall, that process was very similar. But I had a lot of respect for Coach Blood, and I did like him quite a lot as a coach. Yeah, and – in, in in retrospect, Hartford's you know no, no, not going to be Division One anymore, so they lost a lot of guys. So probably made the right decision. Um, 
what is the so how is your training comp or and competition level of competition differed from what you saw before high school was it a pretty significant jump you know getting back up to the uh playing at the d1 level absolutely i think there was quite a large gap between high school and college baseball i was fortunate enough to play in the perfect game league before i got into college so going into that league and throwing i think really helped me transition versus not having done that and so just being able to get that extra experience before actually entering college uh, I believe is one of the most important things for me uh, in my development into college. Yeah, we actually just covered the uh, perfect game, WWBA World Championship. Um, and yeah, that is a high high level of high school or pro, you know prep school baseball. The New England Baseball Journal podcast will be back after these words. Firecracker Sports serves all first-time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. We offer the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all your baseball and softball needs with our player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time, effort and money by getting all of your events, college resources and customer attention in one place every season. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball, New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine delivered to your home or office And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division I, II, and III colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Coach Courier, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background before Fairfield. So you you went to the University of Vermont and played baseball there and then coached there afterwards? That's right. Yeah, I went there, uh, coached for 22 years there. I, was, I think I was the youngest Division One coach, head coach in the country when I got there at 27. And uh, I had come out of there after my junior year, drafted in the sixth round by the Phillies, out of there, and then went to grad school uh, down at Western Carolina where my old coach was, Jack Leggett, uh, who then later went to Clemson uh, for 22 years too, I believe. And then, uh, you know, uh, you know, got back to, to Vermont, my alma mater as the head coach in, in uh, the fall of 87. That's great. Uh, and so you were 27 when you took over that program. That's amazing. Um, what was your experience like there? Was it a similar, like, did you build the program up or did, was it pretty good when you got there? Or what was the coaching experience like there? Well, they hadn't, they hadn't won a lot in the five, six years previous to when I got there. But, you know, I've been fortunate to have uh, – you know, just good students, good people, uh, good character people uh, that you're going to get a lot of times, you know, when you're in Division One and when you're at a good academic school, such as 
Vermont and Fairfield. So I've been fortunate to have uh, good academic schools and it's a real draw for kids that you're recruiting. You know, if they can combine a, a good program that you built up and you're going to tournaments and you have great facilities uh, as well as a real good a academic school, you know, it's, it's a good all round draw, draw. And I think that's why we, you know, Tennessee to, to, you know, kids pick us over some other schools because of, of that in itself of the academics and the baseball along with it. Mm -hmm. And were you there when, the, when they cut the program? I was. I was uh, in my 22nd year in 09, and uh, uh, we had heard in the middle of February we were going to be cut. Um, uh, they had a downturn in the economy in 09, and they had to cut a million dollars. And instead of taking 5% off every program of 20 programs in the department, they cut us in softball instead of taking a small uh, amount off, off the other teams. And so we were uh, finished our season. Finished third, uh, third in the uh, America East that year, uh, with mostly an all sophomore team. So uh, we still were doing well and uh, winning games, and, and just uh, you know got our program let go at that time. Ugh, what a bummer! Did how did you deliver that message to the players, and then keep them motivated to play the entire season? Uh, probably one of the most difficult, certainly, messages to give to kids you've just recruited two years before brought into your program and knew we were going to have a pretty good year uh, with a young team. And, you know, it's just a, a difficult thing with players knowing they're going to be jumping to another ship the next, the next, you know, in three or four months. So uh, it was almost like a recruiting tour every game that we went to play somebody, they were looking at your players and getting ready to take them. But you got to give our kids a lot of credit. Only one kid decided not to play. Everybody else decided to play. And we had the player of the year in the conference of Matt Duffy uh, that year, who was a sophomore. Uh, they went on to, to go to Tennessee when I did and uh, uh, ended up being a, a, a big leaguer. He made it to the big leagues after getting drafted uh, by Houston uh, for at least uh, one season. Yeah, I actually just had uh, Bobby Tewksbury on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was talking about his experience at Vermont, which he said was great. And, um, you know, he was very committed to the program. Um, I want to, Mike, I wanted to ask you about your opportunity to play on the Cape. You know, we, I've talked to a lot of guys who have been down on the Cape and sometimes the opportunity comes up in the beginning where you're committing like almost a year ahead and saying like guys like Sebastian Keene from Northeastern, you know, they, they've already committed and they're all set to do it. But then uh, other guys, you know, they don't hear about it until a little later in the game or they sign temp contracts and end up sticking for the entire summer. Well, how did you get the opportunity to pitch on the Cape? So I had already been committed to go to Bourne for the 2020 season. And when that ended up getting canceled, we were kind of waiting to hear if they would roll over the team or not. And in the fall and early spring, it was a yes, we'll have a spot for a temp. And then kind of during the season, it was we don't really have a spot. And then maybe a month out towards the end of our season, uh, I was able to get a spot back on Bourne for a temp spot and I was able to sign that and kind of secure that uh, a few, a month or two before the season. Oh, so you started it as a temp. I didn't realize that. What, when did it become a permanent contract? Uh, it had never really been announced as a permanent. It was more just, I got there on a temp and then I threw 
and just kept throwing. He never sent me home, thankfully. Yeah, I think I was looking at your numbers uh, this morning. I think you were 4-0 and with like a 207 ERA in the regular season. So, yeah, I don't blame them at all for keeping you. Was it difficult? Um, that That's the thing with the Cape. There's a lot of coming and going and guys, you know, on temp contracts and then guys who, you know, don't get drafted and want to want to go play on the Cape. Is it difficult to establish uh, chemistry or a team identity with a Cape League team just because of all the fluidity? I think one of the things that made our team so successful this past year was the fact that we were able to bond really quickly. I think all the kids, pitchers, hitters, everybody got got uh, along really well really early in the fact that, you know, everybody got there and it was just comfortable. We all felt like we kind of belonged there. We all got along well. So we didn't really see any of that kind of diversity in there where we weren't really meshing at all. Um, I definitely believe that was one of the reasons why we were so successful as a team. Yeah, one of the guys that you had on your team, at least for a short stint at the beginning, is uh, one of New England's top prospects for the – 2022 draft Reggie Crawford who uh who was at UConn this fall how how impressive I, I saw he clocked a 101 mile an hour fastball on the cape and then you know he was hitting like 350 in a in his week or two down there how impressive was it to see him in his short stint with Bourne uh Reggie's an amazing player I mean to see a guy who's younger than yourself playing on the same team as you throw 101 miles per hour is kind of just shocking um, one of my favorite stories to tell people from playing with Reggie is I would go on the mound and warm up and, you know, I'd warm up, go out to the game. Reggie threw one ball on the mound and you had about 20 parents standing around the bullpen taking video cameras out filming him. So that, that's that's one of the best things I, I think I saw with him. It was just he was an unbelievable baseball player, both sides of the ball. Yeah. So do you know, like when he, ha- when he throws it one-on-one, do you know that's happening or is it just guys, you know, scouts behind home plate have the radar guns and you hear about it later? We were all, we were all waiting for it because we had talked to Reggie and he had never broken 99. And so we were all like waiting for the hundred, waiting for the hundred, waiting for the hundred. And then at Katua is when he did it and double zeros popped up on the scoreboard. So we all knew he hit a hundred. Wow. And then after the game, we'd come to find out he didn't even hit a hundred. He hit one-on-one. So we were all like, you just decided to skip the triple digit and go right to 101. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be nice to have that type of velocity. Uh, you've been on the mound for, you know, some huge spots here in 2021. Uh, game two of the championship series on the Cape and then also, you know, the NCAA regional. How did those two experiences compare? Both were very high pressure, very very similar situations. Being in Texas and throwing against Arizona State for that game, uh, throwing game one, didn't close it the way I hoped, and then coming back to game two and being able to secure the victory was really, really cool and a great experience to be a part of, especially with the team we had, the season we had. And then even the Cape going out there and throwing, I struggled a little bit. Um, didn't come out with the lead, but still worked my best to keep us in the game, which I did for the most part, and, I mean, it didn't turn out the way we wanted to, but both experiences just really good and just unbelievable. Yeah. Coach, I wanted to ask you, so you hear, you know, up here in New England, uh, Bill Belichick after Super Bowl seasons is always like, you know, last year never happened. We move on. That has nothing to do with this year. We can't can't think about last year. 
But you've, uh, we've seen other coaches who want to kind of ride that momentum and they feel like uh, they've established uh, a culture and they want to kind of build on that. Uh, what was your message to the group this fall when you got them back on campus after just a wildly successful spring season? Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit like Bill Belichick. Even <laughs> he's, of course, a lot older than me, Dan. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it happened, did happen last year. We got to build off the confidence and build off the we know we belong type attitude and swagger or whatever you want to call it. But the work that the guys put in and the coaches all put into that has to start over. Things just don't happen automatic. And that was really the message that we needed to make sure our players understood that these things don't happen automatic. And this year we're going to start out our season, hopefully uh, going down South chasing guaranteed money with big programs. And uh, you know, to be come back 10 and 0 from being down there, I, I probably won't happen uh, where uh, last year we started right in conference. So not that our conference isn't good, but, you know, it's, it's not the, uh, uh, the bigger programs that we might play at the beginning of the year when we hadn't been outside much. So, uh, you know, they got to be realistic with that. You know, this year it was, it, it worked out phenomenally well. But uh, we had a lot of close games that we, uh, you know, won in the last inning or the net last two innings in a tight game. So we, we got some thicker skin and, and got some confidence out of that. And that's what we need to bring into the next year. Yeah, it sounds like that'll be a great experience for the guys to go down south and see some of that, um, some of those big, uh, more competitive um, elite, you know, top 25 teams or programs. Um, what, so how did you feel about the fall? What were you able to get done this fall with, uh, you know, obviously COVID is kind of still in the background of what all of us are doing. Did you, did you feel good about the fall? Did you achieve what you wanted to do? We, we did. We, we, we lost, uh, our center fielder, Danny Ryan. We lost our shortstop in the 16th round with the Mets, Justin Guerrero. We lost Trey McLaughlin, as, as we mentioned, we lost the first baseman that was valuable to us also, Sean Cullen. So. We had three big losses on the offensive side, as well as one on the defensive side and some relievers also. But uh, we're getting our core of our starting rotation back uh, this year without Trey, but we, we got a pretty good starting back. We picked up some good transfers that are trying to fill these spots right now this fall. So that was a, a main focus this fall is making sure we could fill the shortstop position, the center field position, and at first base. So. Uh, we feel we have good candidates for that. We still got to uh, keep the skills getting better and better, and, and we hope to uh, uh, put out the same numbers and th- that we did last year and, and keep it rolling, certainly. Yeah, you know, was- I, I, Talking about the Cape, Dan, earlier, you said how flu- the fluidity of players coming in and out. That's going to happen when the draft is in the middle of July. That's going to happen. They're going to lose people late, and then they're going to be scrapping to get kids in there the last three weeks to, you know, take a run, make a run for the playoffs. So, you know, we had seven kids playing there at all different times uh, this year for, you know, a program like a Northeast division one team like us, it's pretty unheard of to have seven kids all involved in the Cape at all different level times and, and different teams. So uh, that was pretty amazing. And, and I think that it goes to show the caliber of kids were turning out, but also how, the fluidity of the kids going to be at the Cape, I think, every summer unless the draft goes back uh, to early June again. Yeah, yeah, I like it in June. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's not 
Not up to me. Uh, Mike, I wanted to ask you as we head into, there are a lot of, of our listeners who are in high school or at the prep level who um, are wondering what they could do here as it's starting to get colder and uh, the opportunities to play outdoors are going to be numbered at least, you know, a month, a month from now or into the winter. Uh, what are some things guys can do or what do you do in November, December, and January so that you're, when you get back on the mound in February, you're pitching at the level you were this last February? The biggest thing in the off season is the weightlifting and conditioning mobility aspect of it. For me, November and maybe even early December, I really won't be throwing much. Uh, my main focus then will just be strength, conditioning, and mobility. Um, and once you get into it, you know, there's a lot of, there's always indoor facilities up, up north now that, or since always it's been cold. Um, so you always have facilities around and just taking advantage of all the opportunities you have, you know, use the resources you have. I still go back to Brian Looney in Hamden. Uh, he was one of my AAU coaches. So he has a facility I still go to to throw. Uh, I go to my gym at home. So I, I just take advantage of resources, opportunities I have in order to get my work in, and maintain the conditioning of my arm and be able to build back up and be ready for when we step on the field in the spring. Well, that's great. It's, and I can't imagine how you or uh, Fairfield as a team can have a, have a better 2022, but I'm excited. Like you said, you have a lot of pitching back and um, a lot of great players returning. So it'll be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. But thanks so much to both of you for taking the time, and uh, I enjoyed having you on the pod. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to Fairfield coach Bill Courier and star left-handed pitcher Mike Sansone for coming on the pod. It was great hearing about their terrific 2021 season, and they have most of the team back intact for 2022. Before we close out the pod, a few programming notes. Rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. That way you'll get an alert on your phone every time a podcast goes live. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit BaseballJournal.com. We update the site daily with new stories. Click the subscribe tab to get the fall edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. We also want to hear from you. If you have recommendations for guests or questions that you'd like me to ask, send a DM on Twitter or email dguttonplan at baseballjournal.com. Thanks again for listening. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media podcast.